guys, welcome back to The Wall Podcast, hosted by me, Stephanie O'Quigley. If this isn't the first episode that you've tuned into, I so appreciate the return and I really hope that you're enjoying the podcast so far. This, obviously, is an interview with Caroline Foran. She is a best-selling Irish author. Her book, Owning It, was on the book charts in Ireland for 16 consecutive weeks at number one. She has since launched a book called The Confidence Kit and has been just as successful. When Caroline came to the US to launch her book, which they tweaked to call Own It here in the US, she spent some time in New York and I got to sit down with her and record this podcast, which I was very excited about. And Caroline is just as genuine and as kind and as open and as funny in real life as she comes across on Instagram and on TV and on radio. So if you haven't seen Caroline's books, Owning It or The Confidence Kit, I'm sure that you've seen her on TV, on the radio, on Instagram. I'm sure that you've seen her personality out there because she has been all over the Irish media as of late. And I have genuinely been a fan of her book since her launch in 2017. And it's just great to see the continued growth of Caroline's success and how genuine she is. I think that this episode is going to be beneficial to anybody who consider themselves an anxiety sufferer or somebody who just has a little bit too much worry than they'd like. Caroline has kept it so genuine and has spoke from the first person in her in both her books and I think that's why people really relate to her. I got to sit down with Caroline and really chat about life with anxiety and how to deal with it and I suppose that's what her books are all about. It's how to deal with anxiety from somebody who has actually gone through it and not necessarily from somebody who's a doctor or a therapist. Not that that's not helpful, but it just kind of always gives you more of a relaxed feeling and an empathetic feeling when you're talking to somebody who has gone through it and is just a normal person like you are and is just trying to understand anxiety just like you. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Caroline. It's a very casual chat. I hope that you get something out of it. And please do tune in again for the next interview on The Wall. So I think with the first book, with Owning It, or Own It over here in New York, where we are right now, if you can hear the cars outside. There'll be a few sirens (laughs) in this podcast, for Um, sure. I think the nature of the content is that there's such a sense of urgency with anxiety. People really, if, if you're struggling with anxiety to the extent that I was, you want to know what it is that might help you. Um, so the book just sort of took off. And I think then the second book, which was about confidence and the fear of failure, while I actually think that book is better, mm-hmm. and I was probably a little bit more proud of that book, there's not as much of a sense of I need this now. So I think yeah. I could kind of understand and rationalize why it wasn't going to do quite as well. It, but it's been it's been a very steady seller. And I'm really happy with that as a follow up to the first book. But like I said, there's just like, I need this now with, with owning it if, if you have anxiety. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's kind of one of those books that you kind of come back to, like, my, as I say, my brother, um, you know, has his, has his fair share of anxiety. He'd probably kill me for saying that. But I mean, everyone does, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, but he would have little, um, those little sticker things that you can, those luminous little sticker yeah. things and you can kind of plug pages and you kind of close it and you go back to it and the confidence kit is on my nightstand um, or my locker or nightstand mm-hmm. as they call it over here. Nightstand. My nightstand. <laughs> um, and it's kind of one, it's kind of, I'll almost just open it and I'll read mm-hmm. a pointer or your tips or whatever like to see um, 
you know, like you kind of, you have to remind yourself. And I know you talk about this a lot and I know your husband is great for kind of saying sit down there. Read your own Remind yourself, like, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted was with both books that they were things that you could kind of go back to and check up on and just maybe, you know, put a little marker on the page or like you say, the little illuminated bit of paper to come back to something. And I I actually do, I do have to do it myself sometimes. Um, But I think the confidence kit is... uh, something if you don't experience anxiety but everyone has confidence issues and everyone Mm -hmm. has the fear of failure so Mm -hmm. that actually has kind of a broader appeal and I think everyone needs reminders all the time to check in with themselves on you know some stuff like imposter syndrome or all that kind of stuff so I think the second book is definitely one that you can just keep beside your bed and go back to whenever you need one of the um I mean this is the start of your journey but I just found this so relatable um, was the way that you talked about your childhood and um, how the anxiety began to manifest itself Mm. when you were so young and um, I just feel like a lot of parents need to hear that Um, not that you know we're not you know it's not about good parenting but it's just about that awareness yeah you talked about being so young and, and and calling it a sick feeling in your stomach and um, I, I related to that so much because I, when I was younger, like, uh, again, going back to that thing, you'll be grand. Mm. Like, I want to write a book called You'll Be you'll Grand because it's just, it's a killer. It's a little bit of a killer, like. Yeah. Um, but talk to me about the sick feeling in your stomach and how actually young you were at that point. I think I've always had tummy issues. So, I, I mean, going back as, as lo- early as I can remember, like five, six, seven, I remember specifically feeling unwell whenever I was I guess a little bit uncomfortable so times when my parents would have had to go away and they'd leave me at my nana and granddad's house and change just something like that where I was like I want my mammy and and instead of realizing that I want my mammy or realizing that I was a little bit like I wanted my comforts I would just not feel well because that's how it manifested for me um and I think for for a lot a lot of kids especially it's tummy issues um I have one of my best friends, her little girl, uh, she's the most bright, confident little girl in the world. Um, when she goes into school in the mornings, she's got this little kind of worry around being late for school. She doesn't like if she's late or she, I don't know, she doesn't like going into the classroom. She doesn't know that. But every time she goes to the classroom, she's like, she says to her mom, I have, I have a pain in my tummy, I don't want to go to school today. And she goes in and then she's fine. Yeah. So she doesn't have the awareness, but I have the awareness to say to my friend and my friend has the awareness now as well because the kind of conversations we're having is it's just a little anxiety or worry but back then when I was a kid you know it was like don't be silly you know you're with your nana and granddad or even because like because I didn't identify it as fear it was like oh you just had too much chocolate or you know maybe it's this thing that doesn't agree with you or you'll be fine in in a while and that kind of stuff just sets in what happens I think what's so important to for parents to realize um something I didn't realize is that and I spoke about this at the launch event um we have a very strong ability to feel fear when we're young and have things kind of embed into our long-term memory but we don't have the ability yet until maybe a, like sometimes it's not till like 10 or 11 our logic and reason hasn't quite developed yet so you might have a scary experience at 6 or 7 to an adult it seems ridiculous so for example there's a monster under my bed or you know something that seems so innocuous that to a kid is absolutely terrifying they can't rationalize that so what happens is that little fear response can sometimes if it's not dealt with and this is not to terrify parents but it can kind of start to just 
sow the seed of a little sort of predisposition towards worries and fear and anxiety mm. and, and it's really unfortunate that it happens that way so that shows me that there's a really crucial time period when a kid is starting to be able to think about things as being scary but not able to rationalize them as an adult would and it's in that time frame that you need to sort of take a kid seriously and for me it was things like you know oh being told now it's time to go to bed go up and put your pajamas on do your teeth and I just remember being like oh you know every kid has that fear of like going upstairs and it's dark and on my own and I used to be just so afraid in my bedroom trying to go to sleep when my parents were still downstairs and my brother was a bit older than me so only when he would come home and come up to bed then I would relax and fall asleep. So all these kind of little things that seem so like, oh, don't be silly, you're just, you're fine. Or my grandparents dying was a, was a huge thing for me. Um, I think I remember such silly things that parents, it, they mean well. And like, you know, things like, oh, your nan is still with you. And, and I was like, <laughs> what? I don't want her to be fucking with me. She's a ghost. Like, yeah. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't rationalize death. I couldn't understand it. And suddenly I was in my nana's house with my granddad where you know my parents had to go away or for whatever my parents worked really hard and I completely respect that and appreciate that they did that to give us the best of everything you know um and then but I remember being in the house and being like my nana was here and now she's not here and then my granddad was like right time to go to bed and I'm upstairs being like where's my nana she's a ghost she's gonna you know yeah and that was not it wasn't comforting to me to think that my nana was still with me so I I just know those kind of experiences start to set in but for me it was like I don't feel well I don't feel well I don't feel well right so no and, one ever realized that it was fear yeah and what does your mother say now about kind of reflecting on that and you you recognize that now as an adult to be yeah. able to rationalize as you say does your mother say do you have like do you have siblings and your mother says well you know you were you it kind of you clocked it a little bit differently to your siblings they might have went through the same mm. thing and you might have clocked it differently you know did that did that yeah kind of- I think so I've I've one brother who's um like five and a half six years older than me and he never really had the little fears that I that I have he had a different kind of anxiety he had a stammer so his mind was completely preoccupied with being able to say his name right mm. where I was thinking so deeply and I think. And he's very logical and he's very mathematical and I'm very creative. And I sort of think sometimes that anxiety it can be quite common with people who've got such wild imaginations. Um, and I was big into drawing and stories. And I think sometimes if, you, if your mind can go to places, it can go to scary places. Yeah. Um, and I think my mom these days, and I'm always so, you know, eager to say, I just never, it's no one's fault, never want to blame her. But she now is like, I just wish I'd known kind of I'd understand or understood the nature of anxiety and understood your little worries and and I mean really it could have been as simple as I just needed a little bit more reassurance and comfort from my mom because but again that does I don't want to blame her but not I mean, none of us knew yeah. and also she probably didn't know that I was it was all all anyone ever said about me was Carolyn has a bit of a dicky tummy mm. so that's something tangible that's something that's nobody's fault. That's something that, you know, you just, it's what you put into your tummy, what comes out of your tummy. It's not nothing more than that. And it's only, not emotional. It's not emotional. And I just think, I don't know, I, I like, I hope that when I have kids now, if I'm lucky enough to have kids, that I'd have the awareness to, to come down to their level and be like, not just say, I, oh, you're grand, like we said, or not just say, and again, it's not bad parenting, like it's a lack of awareness. Mm. And I think it's really important now that parents are aware. And I think, I believe that if you get in there at that age 
and don't tell them to be silly or don't tell them they're being stupid and be like okay so you've a, you're a little bit maybe maybe you're feeling a little bit afraid maybe if, you, if your kid is saying coming home from school being like I don't feel well, I don't feel well is there is there someone in school or is there are you, how do you feel right now like talking about their feelings not to the point that you want to analyze their every mood and wrap them in cotton wool but just open up that dialogue where they can maybe sort of work through it and maybe the kid doesn't even realize they're working through it yeah that's it and I've no doubt that even you you know with your books but also yourself has helped you know parents and people our age I suppose who haven't had kids yet to be more aware of you know the next generation ahead and again it's just awareness because I think all of a lot of parents have that commonality of you'll be grand and I it's an Irish thing it's a British thing like a British stiff upper lip thing and I mean we're very like we it goes back to like I don't know like all those old plays I went to see um Juno and the Paycock oh yeah like recently because I fell asleep during that I mean, it's it, you know, it's a, it, if it's done well, it's done well. Yeah. But it, again, it goes back to that. Um, like I, when I try and explain the Irish culture to 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 American people over here, and I say we d- we everything we do is indirect. We mm-hmm. do not you do not go straight to the point. You know, it's all we dance around it, and it's all yeah, you're grand, you're fine, and they don't they don't even say the word grand. No, they can't even. They think of it as grand is like luxurious. It's luxurious, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, it's not. Your grand could be like, you know, you're not grand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. So take me, um, tell me about the point where you realized that you were open to that bit of vulnerability. So you were a kid. You were super, super ill you kind of had these things going on in your head you weren't realizing what was happening but obviously this is all the anxiety clocking throughout mm-hmm. the years tell me about a part where you kind of said oh like I I it's, it's my anxiety head. yeah it's not my stomach it's my yeah. head um so honestly it really wasn't until I was like in my mid-20s that I clocked it as anxiety and I think it had to get so bad before I realized it for me it was always tummy issues so yeah I had my my dicky tummy all through my childhood and in school and um I remember maybe finishing fourth year fifth year I don't know what the equivalent is over here in America um but I guess high school yeah. and I you know it was at the stage where people were getting really confident and wanting to go away and do j1s and come to America or be just you know go and have a fun holiday away with their friends and I was like hmm I thought I wanted to do all that and then when I would go and do it I remember I went on a holiday with my friends from school and I mean their, their parents were there we were still quite young um, but we were off kind of doing our own thing at night and I I just I don't know what it was I started to feel unwell well I don't know what it was I was anxious I was out of my comfort zone and I started to get really very my stomach got really quite bad and then I started experiencing anxiety because of my tummy so I didn't know which was coming first and doctors would say to me and in fairness I should have listened they were like oh are you are you, are you self-conscious or you know it's all in your head which was the worst thing I could have been told because I was like well it's thank you what am I supposed to do about that and it felt like a cop out mm. um and you know of course I feel anxious and worried and stressed I don't I can't go through the day without feeling unwell I can't go out for dinner without having a sick stomach I can't go away without and then it because of that because of that fear the anxiety was fueling the the stomach issues so I didn't know which like which one was causing it the problem it started with the stomach but it just kept on it was like a vicious yeah, circle but what, yeah but what it actually started with the anxiety yeah. if I go really far back and say okay well I was anxious because I went away and I probably wasn't quite ready I was a little bit of a vulnerable age where my friends are a little bit ahead of me I still wanted my comforts I still was very attached to my mom like I still was obviously craving that comfort from her 
and I thought I was ready to kind of fly solo and like be so confident and meet all these boys but really my body was like no we're not there yet but yeah. I mentally I wasn't gonna you know acknowledge that but my body and like I, I read there's a book title called your body speaks your mind and I've always believed that yeah um, but I was completely unwilling to connect the dots and that went on I mean all through college you know my friends would be into university my friends would be like going out to parties and going away and I'd be like oh um I, yeah I can't come uh, my, my stomach's at me and people are like what like what kind of bug is this that you have it for so long and I remember being told I had IBS and I remember I went for like a colonoscopy and like the cameras go up, down, in, out, everywhere. And I woke up from it and they were like, no, everything's fine. Like your gut's fine. And I was so upset that they, this sounds so stupid, but that they didn't find anything that I could pin the blame on. Because if there was nothing, then what was I just going mad? Was I making it up? Was I imagining it? Why would anyone want to imagine that or will that upon themselves? So that was like a really, really hard time. Um, And then I think... I, I left college, I went, I started my new job, which which I loved. I felt, you know, fear and anxiety, I think the same way anyone else does, you know, like new job jitters or I was going and I was interviewing movie stars. Normal things. You know, nor, really normal yeah. anxiety that's not necessarily bad anxiety. And then I was, so I was maybe 24 going on 25 and I was offered this new job, which sounded amazing. And I'd kind of, like we had this chat before we, we recorded of just having too much drive that is actually good for you yeah. and I kind of was pushing 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 thinking I need to just keep you know I'm so motivated I've like where could I go if I keep going and and I really burnt myself out emotionally by doing that and I started this new job and it wasn't the job's fault but I just it just didn't sit right with me I, I was uncomfortable I it, on every way like I just was like I didn't want to be there and I started to feel really sick again and it really wasn't until that got so bad where you know I couldn't deny it any longer and then it was like my body was trying to communicate with me so severely through my tummy that was like the communication system and I wasn't getting the message and I was obsessed with like oh is it is it this is it that is it um you know is it, well my gluten intolerant is it this t- is it fluoride of the tap water and is was it-, it getting worse yeah it was getting worse and worse and worse to the point that I I mean I couldn't I stand up like the cramps in my stomach were so bad I was like my digestive system had kind of all but shut down like yeah. you know like on a very practical level it just wasn't working um and and event I started it was like I started to unravel so what was happening was I started to produce all these stress hormones because I wasn't addressing it I wasn't saying do you know what I made a mistake here this job isn't right for me I'm gonna leave because that would have meant admitting that I wasn't able to cope when you know get a grip like everyone else can handle jobs that are so much more stressful you've everything going for you so I just internalized it said nothing kept my mouth shut but my body was like no like we're not happy something's got to give here um and then I just remember the obsession with trying to fix something tangible that wasn't there got worse and worse and worse and you know to the point that my body like my limbs I was I remember trying to put on like my mascara and my hands were shaking and I was getting just really I suddenly like was like sensory overload like things that were loud or bright or were stimulating me in ways that I was like oh it was like I was physically vulnerable I mean even if you touched me I felt vulnerable like I lost I said describe it in the first book as like losing it's like if the earth suddenly had no ozone layer and you're very vulnerable to all these different factors that's what I felt like um and I didn't know what was happening I didn't have a fucking clue and I was absolutely terrified and everyone around me was terrified because I didn't know what was going on so they didn't know what was going on 
um, and I started to have really violent panic attacks and they were so scary because I was like where what's happening to me like where have I gone I didn't know I didn't know they were panic attacks I didn't know it was anxiety and eventually this shit just hit the fan and I just physically broke down like hormonally I was all over the place I wasn't sleeping I was you know crying all the time I was I was getting lost in place you know I just couldn't foot I literally couldn't put one foot in front of the other yeah um and it was really really scary and it took you to the point of breakdown really to become to say kind of like what's going on here yeah it took me to unravel physically and stop functioning to the point that I couldn't even go into work I couldn't even meet someone for coffee to be like okay maybe this is not a digestive issue right this is an emotional issue but that was something I was so unwilling and didn't want to even comprehend because that to me meant you really are a weak person yeah and there's something wrong with you and it would it was just confirming to me you know like all those years of like having had a sore tummy when I was a kid that there was always something amiss yeah. and that you know everyone else around me seemed to have it together and I was just out of step in some way and you know what, what the hell was wrong with me and, and also the biggest fear was what what am I gonna do like is this just my life now am I gonna ever it was absolutely terrifying and like obviously you know this is something I talk about so much but even when I bring up like go into it I'm still quite traumatized that I went through it and you know we talk about journey and stuff and like people say oh yeah but look you know you've written the books and everything I'm like yeah but it doesn't mean that everything's okay it's still I still kind of really wish I didn't have to go through that yeah but obviously like I've learned I've learned a lot but I and it maybe would have we have the sirens sorry yeah yeah, there they are (laughs) we're in New York City um but it could have happened later on or or for someone else like I try to rationalize to say you know people like why you know you'd say to yourself why does this have to happen to me or people say that about something that's really genuinely someone gets cancer that's a reason to say why does this happen to me so I then I was like I had this guilt about falling apart for no good reason you Mm -hmm. know which is such a self-perpetuating self-stigmatizing thing that what started as anxiety about a job became anxiety about what people think of me anxiety about how does this make me look that I have anxiety you know anxiety about how this would affect my relatively new relationship anxiety about how I would pay my bills on a very practical level so tell me about those thoughts so obviously a lot of what you're speaking about is um it manifests itself as a physical thing Mm -hmm. But what was really actually going... Like, do you remember the things... Because from my experience with anxiety and for anyone who doesn't know, I've had the panic attacks. I don't feel like I've been on the scale that you've been on, um, which is okay, but... Um, it's a whole spectrum. I, it is a whole sure. spectrum, yeah. but I've, I've definitely had... I mean, my mother's a therapist, so I kind of... She kind of was able to intervene mm. and say, look, I, I think this is... You know, I'd say, oh, this is what I'm thinking and I can't do this anymore. It wasn't as, as severe, but the panic attacks and then the therapy and everything else... But I remember specifically, like, I remember what I used to think about. Mm. Like, I remember what I used to think about. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't mm. think like this anymore. So what did you, what was your thoughts in yeah, your head? Yeah, so it was, I think it was um, equally physical as it was mental. And the mental was terrifying. Uh, so my thoughts in my head were, it was never like, oh, you're going to, you know, people say about panic attack, oh, I thought I was going to die my fear wasn't that I was going to die or have a heart attack or anything like that. My fear was that I was capable of doing this to myself. My fear, my thoughts were, there's something wrong with you, you're weak, you will never be able to leave the house again. So you had fear about the fear? Crucially, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, that was the biggest fear. It was like fear of, 
oh, I, I you know, I, I, I like such mad thoughts. Whereas, I mean, I couldn't even watch a movie without inserting myself into the character's position and thinking, oh, geez, I couldn't be there where they are right now, or I, I couldn't handle that. And Barry would be like, yeah, but you're here with me in bed. Like, you're not, and I was just, like, it was like empathy to the, on speed. Mm. You know, I was absorbing everything around me. And I was thinking of the worst case scenario. I was, my mind was jumping 10 miles down, you know, the road thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this thing that I have to do in, in six weeks' time. And, like, all this talk of just be here in the now and be mindful. I was like, I, I wish I could do that, but I can't, you know? And so you're, everything, every thought, it was like I had anxiety goggles on and every thought was tinged with fear. Um, and, you know, things like people say, oh, like, let's um, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, okay, like, where are we going to go? And what, what if what if I panic there? What if I panic? What if, what if, what if? Yeah. What if I fall? And eventually that became eventually a very long time what if I fall became what if you fly you know for me um but it was I'm I'm mentally unwell my, one of my biggest fears was I'm going to end up in a, in a mental institution I'm right have to be sectioned and because of what we see on movies and tv that just didn't seem like something normal that seemed like crazy crazy I didn't want to be crazy and I, I felt like people were going to look at me and think I had two heads or be afraid of me or think it was contagious like I was afraid of myself I was afraid. I mean, I, honestly, I got to the point where, I mean, and I left the job, okay? I left the job and I thought people would say, oh, you leave, there's a stressor, take away the stressor, the anxiety will go away. No. And that was even more terrifying because I had suffered stress for so long and left it unaddressed that it didn't just go away overnight. My hormones were at a heap. It was going to take a long time to get back. And because I didn't understand it, I didn't know what was going on, I was constantly adding to it. It's like chewing chewing gum that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I couldn't I couldn't stop it myself. Um, this was a really important point that I, on my journey, that I, I struggled to make to this point, to this day, um, was, so yeah, I, you know, I was suffering for such a long time it wasn't going away overnight and um I was like I don't want to be like this I don't want to be here if this is what my existence is going to be this is not fair and I'm a burden on everyone I'm a burden on Barry my boyfriend at the time I'm my this is, I'm causing so much worry and stress for my family I'm completely useless as a friend socially um and I was so physically unwell with this yet couldn't seem to figure out how I could fix it that I was like well if I always sort of I had these thoughts of like well if I can't fix it I can opt out of life yeah and that was a grim yeah grim point to get to and I remember I was with a therapist at the time and they you know I knew that I was diagnosed she diagnosed me with depression as a tick the box kind of if you're having these thoughts if you're feeling this way I got that quiz as well like you just can't it's not like painting by numbers you yeah. know it's a one page quiz for anyone who doesn't know I know and then you get that and you're like oh is this just the way I am now great you know yeah. and I just that's why I'm on like really add anti- up your numbers like yeah I'm really I, I don't like that kind of thing I know it's necessary for some people but even I don't like the word disorder I feel like that's something that you feel like is stamped on your head that you're stuck with forever ever more but I was depressed because I didn't want to be that way. It wasn't that I didn't want to live or be here. I didn't want to feel this anxiety. I didn't want to be this unwell, this mentally unwell. I so wanted to feel better so that I could enjoy my life. That's why I was depressed. And that's why if I couldn't enjoy my life or even live my life or function or leave the house or, you know, what was the fucking point being here then? Yeah. So that was why I got to that low point. Um. So yeah, like the thoughts went from, you know, panic to, to like, don't want to be here. And, yeah. and even to this day like I just wish I could go back and give myself a hug a I, just, talk, yeah. I just wish I could just 
give myself my book and be like you're gonna figure this out and you're gonna learn so much and it'll never happen to you again to the same extent because you'll know so much and little did I know that in my journey of you know for me knowledge was power it was like understanding okay well I knew like I had to get out a pen and paper but like where can I start what can I do what can I let's rule out things like sometimes people can have anxiety because of thyroid problems or get your blood done all that kind of stuff And I just don't know where the strength came from, but I just had to get proactive and figure it out. It took me a long time. But little did I know that my efforts in trying to understand it and take the fear away from the fear and know what was going on physiologically and hormonally was going to have such an impact on everyone else who would wind up in a similar situation to me. Yeah, it's funny because you talk a lot about it um, from a practical standpoint. And I know you spoke um, about CBT therapy, which for people who don't know is cognitive behavioral therapy which I went through as well. And as much as my mother is a spiritual woman and um, very, just very spiritually connected, which again, doesn't mean religion. Um, yeah. And I know you've you touched on that too. Um, when she's talking about anxiety or dealing with, um, you know, ang- anxiety for her is so practical when it comes to it. It's really the science and she's not a scientific woman, but when she's dealing with anxiety, it's sci- it's so scientific and I love how you talk about the hormones and even women's periods I mm. think that's all so relevant and um, that can kind of hit you off but tell me about the cognitive behavioral therapy because I, I want people to know that there is such a therapy that can kind of people especially people on the lower end of scale who have kind of ongoing anxiety in their life they mightn't have been as bad as yourself yeah. but they it's kind of it's unnecessary to, to feel like that and there's a fine line between anxiety that's good and anxiety that is kind of interfering with your normal day-to-day but I think cognitive behavioral therapy can really you know oh, yeah inter- I, I think intervene. like like you say like if you're at the point and it doesn't have to be very severe but if you're at the point where it's you know you're overthinking things or it's you know your anxiety is affecting how you're living your life day-to-day or affecting the choices you make or you know how you're feeling your mood CBT is it's not just like it's not something to consider I think it's kind of essential um, and it's its something you can do yourself you know it yeah. doesn't have to be with a therapist but it does help to get to wrap your head around it by doing it with a therapist first and it's a particular modality of, of psychology that a regular therapist will bring in they don't have to be a specific CBT therapist but it's about how your thoughts feelings and behaviours all kind of link together so I think of it as a triangle of thoughts feelings and behaviours I'm making a triangle shape here for those <laughs> who can't see me um, and the reason I really liked it was because it wasn't just talking and how are you feeling and how you feel and talking around and around circles, circles about how you feel. Yeah. I was going to regular talking therapy when I was down in the doldrums and I was talking about how I was feeling and I was going around and around and I was coming away from it feeling absolutely horrific and I was like, I'm not getting anywhere. I know that I'm feeling crap right now and I've always been a talker so it's not like I'm I'm needed to unearth the reason why I will tell anyone what's going on with me I needed a solution I needed to get proactive and CBT was that for me it was one of the ways I could get proactive uh, like other things would have been thing you know very practical stuff like taking away sugar and caffeine for for a time of a period of time when I was quite sensitive but CBT was looking at things from a very very it's first of all it's loads there's loads of like science behind it it's you know and I like that grounded in reality stuff um, and yeah. as much as I don't want to dismiss other things that might seem more spiritual or you know it's really just about any of those things can work if they're having an impact on your physiology and that's anxiety is all about your physiology and how your emotions are influencing your physiology so your how your thoughts are affecting 
your feelings and how your feelings are influencing your behaviors so it could be okay a thought could be um i i i can't i can't cope your feeling is or your thought i i don't want to I, I, I can't go i can't go to this event your feeling is jitteriness anxiety your behavior is you avoid going to the thing and you get stuck in a cycle so it's about focusing in on your thoughts and putting your thoughts on trial. Yes. And so, 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 you know, you don't have to be suffering with anxiety to the extent that I was, but for example, some of the sort of common mind traps associated with anxiety that we are all experiencing could include things like catastrophizing. So, you know, I say things like, oh, I'm going, to, I'm going over to America, or I'm having this event, which I had the launch event. I'm like, no one's gonna come. And then, you know, sometimes I can do it myself, but sometimes it takes someone like Barry to say, what are you doing now? You're catastrophizing. And when I catastrophize, I'm imagining the worst case scenario and I'm and actually yeah. creating the physiology of anxiety and then that fuels more anxious thoughts. So it's like taking a step back, taking a helicopter approach, looking at your thoughts and putting them on trial. So there's an exercise called cognitive restructuring where you're, it's like you're kind of splitting yourself in two and looking, okay, what is anxious Caroline saying? And is this a fact or opinion? Is this based on reality? Or is this just anxiety talking? Another common mind trap could be um, filtering. So that is when, okay, I go on Amazon, I look at my Amazon reviews for the book, and 99% of them are like, this book has changed my life, it's been so helpful. 1% is like, this book is absolute shit. I filter out all the positive and I hone in on the negative. When the fact is 99% yeah. have clicked it five stars. Yeah. That's the fact. And we all have a negativity bias. So we're all primed and we've all been we've all evolved to focus on the negative as a, as a way of survival because back at hunter-gatherer times if you didn't place enough importance on negative things in your life you might die whereas if you didn't put you didn't need to put as much energy on positive things such as you know food or, or sex or sleep because if you missed out on on it that one day you could get it the next day but if you if you were kind of a bit of sleep to negative stuff which might have been a threat to your survival and you were looking the other way you'd get wiped out so Survival. we've always had to be like super sharply aware of negative things and that has carried through right to today and that's why we focus on the one negative in a stream of positives so all those little things are so part of everyone's day-to-day -day life and cognitive behavioral therapy helps you to sort of put them on a box put them in a label stop berating yourself for it stop thinking that you're stuck that way or that's just the way I am oh you can't just say oh I just catastrophize everything you, that's what you're doing but it doesn't have to be that way you can train your brain over time with these exercises to step back and just shift things a little bit or rebalance them or observe that that's happening and then sort of correct your course yeah so it's really about rational thinking it's really about breaking down those thoughts and saying what are fact and what's fiction yeah yeah, the things that we make up in our head when we're in that kind of survival mode is like complete lies. It's complete lies. And it's so, it's not just thoughts. Like it influences your feelings physically and that influences your behavior. Um, so for me, CBT gave me practical tools and exercises. And also a lot of CBT, if your anxiety is quite bad, like if you're, you know, if you are avoiding certain things, there's experiments that you can do where you could say, okay, I'm gonna go to this thing that I'm anxious about and I'm gonna track my thoughts and observe how I'm feeling and then I'm gonna take it back. So, and like, it's sort of like self-analysis. Um, so it, it, you're kind of getting somewhere. You can kind of see where you've come from and where you're going. Again, like it's it's directional. It's rather than going around on a merry-go-round, merry that's why I like it. Yeah. Um, and I think CBT, you know, it's not like, you don't have to go off and sign up for a course of CBT. You can, and I recommend it, but 
you know, there's a CBT exercise at the end of every chapter in the book. It's you could take out a pen and paper right now and do some CBT by just looking at 10 thoughts you had today that were negative and trying to balance them into a little bit more of a realistic view. Yeah, and that's funny because that was my next question. Um, the CBT I'm, I'm hugely passionate about and I'm so, um, I'm so glad that you're, you speak a lot about it and somebody, for somebody who's been through it. Um, because people don't understand people have this kind of negative connotation with going to therapy to begin with yeah. especially Irish people unfortunately I mean it's definitely we think of it as very American <laughs> I know I know and they're, they're like telling you know over here they're like oh my therapist this and that we don't have that that's not our culture and that's okay but it's it's thankfully it's changing we're now getting slowly there. we're getting there yeah you know and the cognitive behavioral therapy is part of the holistic approach to you know helping yourself and and um and kind of getting yourself to a point where you can live your, you can manage it. And you spoke in an interview about being able to manage your anxiety is way more liberating than just never having it again. Well, yeah. Which is so, it's just so powerful, really. That was like the ultimate game changer for yeah. me. Um, because when I was really bad, I was desperate for anything that would make it go away. I've talked about this a lot where I was like, give me the cure, give me the one tablet, the one thing. I was so vulnerable to things that would prey on our vulnerability and say, oh, do this thing and, you know, unlock the secret or oh I know I can if you it's like someone who maybe specializes in fucking hypnotism or not that there's anything wrong with that or a particular kind of breathing say if I change this about you you'll never have anxiety again that is not okay and it's not fair yes these things can help but anxiety is a stress response it's not something to cure it's not a, I, I thought of it as a virus or a bug like fucking paranormal activity <laughs> and I was so if I was if I just didn't if I had gotten that right I never would have gotten to the pl- I don't think I would have plummeted so hard because I would have understood it yeah so anxiety is something to manage and when I said okay like I was torturing myself being like you should never have taken that job you know like you know you have that sliding doors moment of if I just went this way maybe this never would have happened maybe it would it's it's a stress response we all have it some of us just feel it more than others and when you're stressed out for a long time you're wearing down the logical rational part of your brain and that's all that's happening and it's about saying okay I can't change the past I couldn't go back in time I couldn't have someone else you know tell me not to take that job and that resistance that constant I wish or you know I wish I could have I could have would have should have was just creating more anxiety in my body and when I said okay this is where I am right now and that was the hardest thing you know no one wants to accept I was in a heap I wasn't Mm. functioning I didn't want to accept that but only when I started to say okay I, I'm suffering with anxiety. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, I'm probably gonna feel horrific. I'm gonna go out, I might have a panic attack. But when I started to say, okay, here you are, you know, come at me, do your worst. And when I started to let myself off the hook and say, maybe it makes sense why you're having anxiety. Maybe, you know, maybe there, maybe you're not a weak person. Maybe for whatever reason, this is just your reality right now. And I started to kind of accept it. And you can even feel my voice starting to relax now because yeah. I feel like I've talked so much about the point of resistance mm. um, when I started to say I remember I came across across, I'm so New York <laughs> I came, you got a New York accent you didn't even realise it I came across a <laughs> quote on Pinterest um, that just said good old Pinterest oh, it's great. <laughs> for the quotes such a good therapy and it just said darling just fucking own it yeah and I was just like fuck this oh, okay Instead of trying to run away from it, instead of trying to think of it as the enemy, be like, okay, my body's obviously trying to tell me something. 
I need to work with it instead of against it, which yeah. is why the book is called Make Your Anxiety Work For You. You're never going to work. It's never going to get better if you're working against it and you're, you're hating yourself and you're thinking you're so weak and this is so shit. Accept it. Own it. It's a life changer. Yeah. And after all your pieces of your puzzle that you've put together in this kind of round holistic approach is the way I see everyone has their their pieces that work for them whether it's be picking up your book you know keeping it on their you know keeping it with them picking it up picking up your tips or your if it's medication that they need to be on or if they do need to do yoga whatever works for them and to have it all to click together and to kind of that's their that's their kind of piece that they 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 need to kind of to manage it yeah it's Um, never one thing it's it's, always going to be yeah coming at it from different ways you're going to be coming at it from looking at your lifestyle looking at what's going on in your life looking at your relationships is there toxic relationships looking at your diet have you like sometimes my friends are experiencing really bad anxiety and i'm like you're having to eat espresso a day yeah that's me (laughs) but like sometimes that's all it is and sometimes sometimes what happens is that i can feel physically anxious like i might have symptoms of um Shakes from the Shakes coffee. Shakes from even. even even carrying a really heavy bag around all day, and then I can feel my hand is a little bit shaky, and I immediately think, "Oh, I'm anxious." Yeah. But it's like it's sometimes your brain's it's not way that. of kind of yeah. thinking that you're anxious, and it, yeah. and then it ignites it in your head, and then it's you're going at it. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole set of vulnerability factors which I say can influence it. Maybe you had um, a chest infection, and you're just a little bit below par. Yeah. Maybe, like I say, maybe you have your period. Like I go a bit nuts when I have my period. Maybe it's a delayed reaction to something that happened previously. And so all these different things, it could be you benefit from a little bit of yoga, but sitting down with a crippling anxiety and doing a yoga class isn't going to make it go away. You have to address it in all these different ways. And crucially, not just addressing it, but understanding it and knowing why this is happening, knowing how the body functions, knowing how the brain functions. That for me is probably more important than having a matcha latte or doing the thing or having the you know and not knowing why it works for you my grandfather always said um if you know the solution you know you'll it's the quickest way if you know the problem it's the quickest way to exactly. find the solution and it's so true so even things like medication like has such a bad rap that people think it's just slapping a band-aid on it but you know it's not the case it's not the yeah. case it's, it's it's one way of helping you get your head above water so that you can benefit from your yoga and your walks and your meditation but medication won't work for you if you do it and don't address the underlying factors or maybe you know sometimes people really struggle to find a reason for their anxiety sometimes there doesn't have to be a great reason it can be for just it. a chemical imbalance it just can be a chemical imbalance yeah. and so there's a whole people are coming at it from loads of different angles people are experiencing it at, it at loads of different levels or places along the spectrum and people are dealing with it in loads of different ways and it's yeah. whatever works for you and like i say you know my mindfulness can be you know tonight when i get into bed sitting down and binging on friends and that just takes me out of my head. It doesn't have to be, I don't have to run across the Manhattan Bridge to like get my endorphins up or get my cortisol down. Yeah. And I think in a way the wellness industry became a bit of a another thing to kind of beat yourself over the head with recently where it was like getting up at 5am, arranging your porridge to look like a fucking work of art in the morning or yoga pants to brunch or you know it doesn't have to be your it can be your your wellness you know yeah it's so, so how do you how do you feel day to day now for people who are they may have just picked up your book or they're gonna you're thinking of going out and buying it and they're kind of going through the journey and they're at the beginning how do you feel on the other side of things and I know that it's still not easy and it probably 
never will be you know an easy solution but you get better at it yeah I absolutely feel like as you would hope with the book title of this I feel like I'm owning it all the time yeah and um, some days you maybe feel like you're just renting it uh but I obviously made the decision to write the book and I was offered the opportunity to do so and I felt like that was not just an opportunity for me but to maybe make an impact in the so in the social media world and the mental health world and I hope that I've had even some tiny imprint on how people feel um and I knew and I know that the nature of my work and what I do gives rise to anxiety and here I am in New York trying to promote the book coming out here and I've been feeling a little bit anxious because I've built it up quite a lot and you know I feel things greatly and that's never going to change about me I'm yeah. never going to be flatlined the most chill person in the world but I accept that about myself and you know I had like a bit of a tight chest the last few days and but I understand why and I know not to panic about it because I can say well first of all you're in New York it's pretty hectic you've been building up to this trip for a very long time you know it's a big deal to have a book come out in America you're you're used to your comfort zone you're away from home you're away from your dog and your husband and you've been fucking fueling into the caffeine which you know Caroline is not a good idea for you so I can kind of say it's not that I don't ever feel it I do feel it and I just sort of know how to pull myself back from it so there's managing it when it happens but then there's also you know not just I also try and avoid it a little bit as well so like I I know that certain certain kinds of lifestyles wouldn't suit me I know that if I was to work an 80 hour a week in some big corporate job it just it doesn't work for me mm. and it's not necessarily my anxiety sometimes it's just my personality and I think that's a really crucial distinction for people to make and I have a chapter in the book called know the difference between your anxiety and your personality because sometimes something just isn't for you and it's not that it's just your anxiety holding you back all the time and if you deny your personality sometimes you create anxiety yes which I think course. is really important um so you know I, I I spend a lot of time by myself I pencil in a lot of downtime I have to decompress I'm I might have your rest. I might come across like an extroverted person, but I'm I'm I think someone referred to as ambivert. So I I'm I charge introvertedly. I need quiet time. I don't like talking all the time as much as I'm talking so much now. Like I'll tonight when I go to bed, like I won't want even want to chat to my husband on the phone. Like I just want just my own headspace. I want to come back to zero. And I know that I have to kind of work if if like right now obviously I'm over here, I know it's full throttle. But when I go home, I'm going to consciously pen pen pencil in time to take my foot off the gas. So it's just about, you know, working with it, ebbing and flowing, leaning in and then leaning back out again. Yeah. Um, doing what you have to do. And doing what you have to do and knowing yeah. yourself. And I'll never, it's never worth me getting to the point of burnout again. No no job, no number one bestseller, no, no nothing is worth compromising that. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people have to get to the point of burning out before they realize that. Yeah. So I just know now what's important to me. And the biggest motivator to me above money, above success, above nice clothes is feeling well. Yeah. And I think if they pick up a, a copy of your book, that will intervene before they get to the point of... That's my hope, yes. is that I can help people get to that point or avoid getting to that point, that black pit of despair and help them realize that it's normal and it's not some foreign bug that's taken over them and they're not crazy and they're not alone and they're not they've not lost their mind and there's they're not stuck this way and you know there's light at the end of the tunnel and I and I know from the book so far that I have had that impact and mm. that's just the most 
rewarding feeling in the world and I guess in a way it does make it worth it that I went through what I went through yeah and so I'm gonna put you on the spot now <laughs> she's looking at me like what <laughs> um so tell me what is next for you whether it be personal or in your career what can we expect to be next because the book has come out here in the US and that's obviously a phenomenal achievement mm. but the books have come out in Ireland a little while ago and you followed up with your second book what else is on the cards? What else do you want to achieve um, for yourself or would so like to? I, since both books are going to come out over here and in Canada, and I would, you know, obviously the, the wellness aim is, is my core value, but I would, I do have motivation as a, as a journalist and as a writer, I would like to have an impact over here. I would love for it to have a grassroots effect and take off. Um, that, that was kind of one of my big focuses this year. I'm writing my third book towards the end of this year, which will come out next year um and i also think i'm i got married last year and i we're kind of thinking maybe in the next few years we, we might think about starting a family and oh, that's you know so cute. i love yeah that. and like the thing is and i know sometimes people say like oh why would you say that before it happens because like what well, if something happened but like you know you kind of have to you I can mean, try everything yeah. and it might you know I, I might not get lucky i might i might be very fortunate we might we might have issues but i think i'm getting to the point where you know I, I just I know what's important and like love and family mm-hmm. and you know those things are really th- my core values so you know we might go that way um, but I always want to keep writing and I have other other ventures as well I have an interiors company at home that yeah. is doing really well and um, so I'm not just little miss anxiety although someone did refer to me as that one day they were like I have a question for the anxiety girl and I was like oh god that's my personal brand now <laughs> um, but I want to my, my biggest motivation is to kind of maintain what I'm doing like I feel so lucky like I'm you know I write features I, I write books I get to go and give talks to people about anxiety I get to connection people like that yeah. whether it's on social media or whether it's in front of someone and go or going into an office and helping them change their culture around anxiety um or around you know looking after staff and and just really spreading the message yeah like you know like the ariana huffington thing of, of the third metric of you know success and power were always the traditional markers of success but well-being is the third metric and that is probably more crucial than anything else and we need to realize that ourselves but also like from the top down in corporate environments that needs to be not just you can't just throw in a bloody foosball table and say oh we look after our staff they have a bit of downtime it has to come it has to be coming from every direction that we're all prioritizing our well-being and so i do feel like a little bit like i want to champion that and if i can make an impact in some small way with the books or my writing or my talks or my podcast which i have an anxiety podcast as well then that's I don't I don't really have any other end goal I just yeah. want to keep doing what I'm doing yeah you're passionate about the message then obviously yeah. you know I mean we didn't doubt that but mm, yeah. it just goes to show it's like you're passionate about the message and even to change some people's lives which I think you've changed more than you realize I don't know I think you have <laughs> personally I know but um that's amazing it's just it's phenomenal yeah. for me and that's what attracted me to you was was like this girl is doing her own like she she has her own message and it's it's, she's really owning it like mm. I don't want to be cheesy but it's it's the truth and it's like that's the whole ethos of what I want to talk about on this podcast is is that that message that you're just so passionate about because it's so authentic because mm-hmm. you've lived and breathed it you know mm. and it's just so and real I'm really to fortunate you. you know not many people can turn what they believe in so much yeah. or feel passionate about into their career yeah. and, and I mean it is tough I mean you know 
it's it like I'm not rolling in money or anything, but especially in Ireland, book money is nothing, and yeah. it's all profile. And it's a lot of a lot of work and a lot of kind of front loading and work up front, a lot of networking, but I still get to work on that. I still get to work on it, and I and but also I, I want people to know that you know if you're working in a job that's literally just paying the bills and you're not loving it you know have a have a side hustle that you can just put in some passion into it. I think just it's just so important to just indulge that side of yourself and um, or you know whether it's going to more events or even volunteering or just making a difference in one person's life or yeah something that just kind of floats your boat I think it's very easy to get caught up into this world of just the monotony and I think like your whole it doesn't have to be that way no but your whole message of of you know people having that one thing that they believe in or that that d- directs their journey in some way we all have one and it's just about kind of finding out what that is and I've just been fortunate to find mine I guess so young yeah I'm not that young though I'm in my 30s now well you're still young don't be saying <laughs> that on this people be giving out yeah no I, I I that's that's exactly what it is it's finding that thing that's your that your core value and kind of just going with it yeah. it's such a vulnerable position to be in mm. and it can really open you up but it the more vulnerable it is it's like doesn't there's no you can't go any further with you like nobody can do anything else to you because you've given it all you've opened yourself up and you said this is it this is well it, like. yeah and it's kind of a defense mechanism i suppose sometimes like vulnerability what i would have thought as as you're calling yourself out is actually makes me invulnerable ironically and it's sort of vulnerability becomes my biggest strength and my superpower yeah and a lot of people don't get to that point i know it's scary it's, but you have to you have to just be willing to look in the mirror and i also have no filter which helps yeah <laughs> cool. I think a lot of people are trying to get to that point it's actually funny you know and a good example is in the movie 8 Mile with Eminem mm-hmm. when he raps he calls himself out because mm. they all don't like him because he's white yes, and, yeah, and yeah. he calls himself out and he says that he's this and he's trash and he lives in a trailer park and that's one example I often hear in the media of like just being like open and vulnerable especially in the social media like mm. such intense world that people are like oh she, her hair is t- her hair is like her blonde is not is not a cool blonde it's a warm blonde and it's I know. you know and people get so detailed oh the way she talks I don't like the way she talks she uses her hands too much this and that and you're just like jeez you're just opening yourself up I know there's a fine line though between being vulnerable I know I'm rambling on now but being vulnerable doesn't mean being weak it can mm. be it can mean just being authentic and being yourself and being vulnerable doesn't have to mean being self-deprecating which can go the other way sometimes you know like I'm vulnerable by saying oh I'm going out here to America to give it a go that's being vulnerable I don't need to be vulnerable by saying oh I'm on crap writer or you know or anything like that like yeah that, that's I think we're so used to thinking of self-deprecation as being a nice person but actually yeah. sometimes you're just talking yourself down or you're you're not doing yourself any service and it's important to be like yes I'm I know what I am but I know yeah. what I am and I, and I know that I have qualities and you know positive things that make a difference to the world yeah so yeah that's it that's the moral of the story yeah (laughs) well thank you so much yeah it was great to have the chat with you and um to be my very first guest on on the podcast congrats on the podcast i'm so excited for all your future episodes i know you did it i know i did it i broke the seal now i'm like i'm not gonna sleep tonight you broke your wall your own wall (laughs) that's it it was my little own wall that's true i never even thought of it yeah yeah, it's been going on a year, so yeah, then my own little well. Well, thank you so much. You've been amazing, and I'm so excited for the future thank for everything. You.